What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of No Reserve Radio. I'm your host, Ren. With me, as always, tonight is Angelo. Adam was a game-time decision. He's been feeling a little under the weather, and he upgraded to probable, but he just wasn't able to make it. So it's just going to be the Ren and Angelo show tonight. Um, Transparency, we actually did record an episode early last night, and Adam is typically the one who does our recordings, and it was Angelo's first time figuring it out. So it didn't really go that great in terms of the sound quality, so we went ahead and scrapped that. We also really weren't feeling the topic. It's something that we're going to revisit later on. Um, I think it'll make more sense later in the season. So we just decided to scrap that episode, and we're going to do another little bite-sized episode here. See, kind of what it's like if we try to keep it down um, without really much of a topic. We do have a topic, um, but we'll get to that. Angelo, how are you doing tonight? Better than yesterday. Uh, Yesterday was not a fun day for me. I had a lot of issues. I think we're all going through some stuff right now. You know, I hope Adam returns to good health and he can come back. Sometime. I know we had Austin yesterday, but we're not going to have him today. I look forward to, you know, more guests coming on and seeing more people. Yeah, we've got a few people that are going to be kind of in the rotation. It'll still mostly be Angelo, Adam, and I, but Austin, we really enjoyed having on. I think it was week four, week five. I don't remember which episode it was. And I really enjoyed the episode we did with him last night, but unfortunately he can't be here tonight. He has prior commitments, and hopefully we'll be able to get him on more frequently. He is in the process of moving, and once he gets into his new house, he'll have hopefully more space to do fun things like this with us. I I, I, I have fun, so that's all I care about. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a little different tonight. Um, we're still going to do the question of the day, which... The question of the day pulled from a random question generator is if you could be any character from any movie franchise, who would it be? I said Iron Man. I I, I go with Iron Man. Mine would be Steve Rogers, Captain America. It's it's just is is a great person to want to aspire to be like and. I think the any one of the Avengers would be good because then you get superpowers and that would be pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's not really a hard question to think about. Like, there's no philosophical answer to it. There's no like I I just want to be the popcorn film character and violently punch the bad guys and not be held accountable for it. Um, So what is happening in the NBA? So first things first, I think, because this just happened not that long ago, the first round of All-Star voters results came in. Obviously, I don't have a problem with anyone that's currently like in the list of who made it. Definitely do. As I I have issues with as you get to the bottom of those lists, but in terms of like the top four guards or the top four forwards, I don't have a problem with those. And let me pull them up because I thought I had it open, but I closed it for some reason. Um, I do not have it open. Why do I not have it open? I am not prepared tonight. I apologize. Um. But the first, I know right off the top, LeBron and Kevin Durant, those are the captains. I don't have an issue with that. Um, I think Luka has had a better season than LeBron, but it's LeBron. He's going to get the votes just because he is LeBron. So for the Western Conference, the top of the front court list is LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis, Zion Williams, 
guards are Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, John Morant, Shea Gilgis Alexander. I don't have a problem with any of those. Eastern Conference, Kevin Durant, Giannis, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum. That's the forwards. Guards, Kyrie Irving, Donovan Mitchell, James Harden, Jalen Brown. Looking at this, I'm... The East is kind of weak from the guard position. Because... As you're going through that list, is Kyrie Irving really having an all-star season? For sure, but I think Mitchell or, Hi- or Halliburton. So Kyrie has two million votes. Donovan has one point six. Arden has one point one. Jalen Brown has one point zero three two. I'm fine with those totals, but Darius Garland is at the bottom of this list with one hundred and forty three thousand. That's, that's a big, especially a below Derrick Rose. That's a big stuff. I think how with how successful the Cavs have been, I guess I just expected him to be higher on the list. Obviously, I as a Pacers fan, Halliburton only getting two hundred eighty-one thousand. I'm not a fan of that because I think he's had one of the better productive seasons this year. I will agree with but, that. Um, but this goes back to a lot of the things that I say about playoffs mattering more and. Do it over a span of years. Do you expect, even if he's having an all-star worthy year, which he is, I'm not arguing that point, but are you, should he really be at the top of a fan vote when he's just been doing this with what for one? Oh, no. Yeah, he hasn't earned it like no, Kyrie has not. over the years, like James Harden has over the years, like Donovan Mitchell has over the years. I think it goes, I am not the biggest fan of fan voting to begin with because when you're doing fan voting and purely fan voting, the big markets are going to reap a lot of benefits. So on this list, is Austin Reeves an all-star? No, but he's number nine. He's the ninth best guard in the West. Absolutely not. Um, who else that, but casuals also have those players that they just vote in in mass just to essentially oh, true absolutely there are absolutely meme players but at the same time i don't think that happens i've never seen a meme player from a small market is what i'm saying like if you're gonna vote it's always going to be the lakers the knicks the raptors someone with a lot of fans that's going to be like this would be really funny if we got this guy in and then they're going to either succeed or get really close to it. And it really just kind of invalidates fan voting and is frustrating. Um, as much as I like Andrew Wiggins, there's no reason he should currently have more votes than Laurie Markkinen just because of the success Markkinen is having. And Utah as a whole. It just goes back to what I said. Wiggins was a starter last year. On a lot of the Twitter voting, and Laurie is just doing it this year. He's he's been a good player, but he hasn't played consistently at a, at an All Star level like he has this year. And he's in Utah. Oh yeah, it, it's definitely what have you done for me lately? But outside of All Star voting returns, which I I think we should cover who we're voting for. I on just the ballot, keep looking at Kavon Looney in the front court as the number ten, and I just. Like my jaw drops at this, but anyway, go on. Sorry, he's he's one of the better rollmen in the in the league. Kind of hard to not be when you're playing with Steph Curry, but I think we should do our All Star ballots. But I don't think I want to do that tonight because we don't have those right in front of us, and we're already not really prepared for this tonight because it has been a bit of chasing our tails tonight to get to this point of recording and i don't want to spend any more time preparing for something that i think we should wait for adam on anyway 
because I think it's going to be more interesting comparing our lists when there's three of us here. Um, see, outside of that, there is... I think we finally had a trade. It was a minor trade, Celtics and Spurs. Uh, Celtics traded Noah Vonley for a second-round pick. Basically just cap clearing, but hopefully... As someone who looks forward to big trades happening, even if it doesn't involve any team I care about, I just it it's like Christmas morning to see trades pop up. I am shocked we haven't seen more players move in the past two seasons, honestly. Um, I think player movement, honestly. So we haven't had like parody like this in a while i think you know in previous years you knew that you know golden state was going to make it you knew that you know the Cavs were going to make it i'm not quite sure if more trade should happen when there's more parody because if teams are really close to each other why would you want to make that move and you know, I guess to get over the hump, but not. But if you're that close, maybe the cast you have now could get you over that hump. You know, and if there's a stack team, I don't know if you want to make a move just to lose to the stack team. So I think I think right. it has to be a good a good situation of both parity and really good teams to you know want to make a team to make a move to catapult themselves into that conversation. And I. And I... We're, what, two years away from the new contract, right? The new TV deal is 2025, if I'm not mistaken. And I cannot wait for the next Timothy Mozgov. Uh, just absolute brain-dead signings that happen after the TV deals roll out. But moving into the main reason we're here tonight, we both kind of wanted to talk about this. And it's, does the NBA have a scoring problem? I think that we've all grown up watching basketball and we've all seen those massive games where, you know, someone goes out and drops 50, 60, and it felt, and it felt special. special, and it still feels special, and don't don't misconstrue what I'm saying there. But it's, but it's we talked about Luca's amazing game last week, and it reminds me of almost Roger Bannister. So for the entirety of running as a professional sport, Everyone always said you couldn't break a four-minute mile. It, it couldn't Roger be Everyone was doing four-minute miles, and now it's normal in competitive running. Luca had that amazing 60-piece triple-double, and since then we've had a ton of amazing games. And yeah, you could say Booker did it a few weeks before that, and it's kind of Luca put it's kind of Luca put a microscope on it. So we had uh, just was talking about him, Donovan Mitchell with Donovan Mitchell with the seventy piece. Talk about that game. Talk about that game. I mean. It was impressive. Like I did, I actually did not think we were going to come back in that game. And you know, if you look at the first two quarter stats, he had, I believe, what he had twenty some in the first half, and he exploded in the second half in overtime. I think that, and and not only that, the last shot was very similar to Luca. But I don't know if you noticed that. Um, I feel like that the loose ball that Donovan picked up was, you know, it was crazy, but it was almost uncontested. Like, I think if the Bulls had given a a little bit more effort, that play would have never happened, and it was a ridiculous shot regardless. I don't know. I think 
the combination of spacing, pace, and you know team, and then just players progressively advancing and getting better, has turned this into a very very offensive focused NBA. The thing that surprises me with Donovan in particular is he's definitely a volume scorer. He shoots and misses a lot, which is completely fine. I never have a problem with people that I know can score shooting the ball even if they're missing. But he went 10 for 25 the night before, and then he went 22 for 34. That's a marked improvement than I think the next day... Well, the next game, he was like six for twenty. So, is it just an example of a player getting? Is it just an example of a player getting hot at the right time? A perfect situation, because we know he's not normally shooting that well, and he's also not normally. Going I can't to be speak for the um, efficiency, but I do know that game we were without Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. True. True, and that's. I don't know. I. I like seeing. I don't know. I. I like seeing it. It was like the sixth best game of all time, and like, the third best overall individual performance of all time. The sixth best was just in scoring, but the best individual performance. I don't know how, exactly they grouped that. How those are ranked? Unless maybe it was like. Maybe the PER, maybe he had like a 50 or something. He also, um, um, I was going to say, he also had 11 assists. Yeah. He also had double digit assists. He was very yeah. close to a 70 point. He was very close to a 70 point triple double because I think he had uh, eight rebounds. Um, just an all around great game. And yeah, he did play 50 minutes of it, but I, I don't. You still have to go out and do it even if you're getting more time to do it. But then. The next night, Giannis goes out and drops 55, 10, and 7. It's Giannis, so you almost expect it. It's kind of like Luka. It's not that shocking. But when you're looking at the whole picture, it's why is scoring up the way it is? Is it teams not playing as focused defense? Is it offenses figuring out defenses more efficiently? Is it... Just players are getting that much better at scoring than they've ever been. Oof, and then Giannis had a 30-point, 21 The thing game. with people like... It's honestly people that play very similar outside of, like, Mitchell and Curry, because I know Curry is prone to have... Obviously, he's hurt now, but he's prone to have games like that. But Giannis and Luca really mm. use their bodies to create contact and finish at the rim and create opportunities. Obviously Luke is a much better shooter from the mid range and from the three pointer than Giannis. But I think there's the, the combination of spacing all around and the fact that that spacing is now creating people to, you know, play players who can't physically match Luca or can't physically match Giannis is making it easier for those performances to happen, I believe. I almost feel like I almost feel like a switch flipped in the league where I don't want to call it selfish play. But you almost have to. It's like Sometimes when you're watching the Lucas or Trey's, and we know Luca, Trey, Steph, we know they're elite playmakers. Honestly, that's probably the three best playmakers in the league. But when you're watching them play, there's times where you're just you're expecting them to pass the ball, and they don't. They just drive. They shoot. They pull up. They don't care. They have the green light to shoot. And I'm wondering if. The game changed when Steph Curry started shooting half-court shots and the Warriors told him, you know what, any shot you want to take, take it. Dame was a little bit of that too because he's kind of the same way. And now we don't have coaches 
yelling at players or benching players for taking those low percentage shots because you can't make it if you don't take it. Do you think that there is now do you think that there is now not as much of a consequence for taking bad shots consequence for taking bad shots leading to more shots which is leading to the influx of scoring because any of these players so in the Luca game where he dropped the 61 uh he was I just had it in front of me. Well, actually, in that game, he shot very well. So, well, actually, in that game, he shot very well. He shot 21 for 31, but on average, Luca's shooting like 18 for 29, 10 for 26. These are the numbers he's shooting. They're not exactly high percentage numbers. Yes, he's averaging 50 for the year, but these games where he's going off, he's not shooting the ball well. It's just going in a lot. I think it also has to do with, um, you know, I mentioned the physicality, but you said that, um, you know, people are chucking up more shots. I think that this game has now evolved where people are also shooting more three-point shots. And three-point shots tend to bounce and lead to longer rebounds. And that negates, like, a bigger body. If you have a longer rebound, that's going to favor someone who is faster or, you know, who is already in closer position to where that ball is going to bounce to, to just run up and get it. than a seven footer who's standing under the paint, you know, trying to get a ball that's going to bounce to the mid range. So I think it's easier to get, get a rebound or your own rebound off of a three point shot than it is to, you know, secure a rebound when you're, smaller with a layup or you know something like that a close range shot well then we get to well then we get to my personal favorite game of this my week. personal favorite game of this week which was the fully held well i don't want to say fully because they were missing but uh, robert williams but healthy, the almost fully healthy Boston Celtics scoring 117 points against the OKC Thunder, missing Shea Gilgis Alexander. 150 points to 117. If you can look at the OKC Thunder, see them score 150 points in regulation time. That's kind of like a clarion call that something changed. The scoring is. Ridiculous. Growing up, it wasn't uncommon for us to see games where if you scored 100 points, if if your team scored 100 points, you got free fries from McDonald's because it was so unheard of. That used to be such a big deal. And now the arguably worst team in the NBA, 150 points. And the impressive thing about it is they didn't exactly have any player go off. Like, yeah, Josh Giddy was their leading scorer, but he only had 25. They had, like, six players score above 20. Yeah. I just don't know what's going on. I'm loving it. I am, I am a fan of defensive basketball. That's how I learned the game. That's the side of the game I love the most, and it's the side that impresses me the most. But... I'm kind of liking this. Yes, why? Why am I liking it? Why am I liking it? Are you liking it? It is. It is. It feels more nail biting. It feels more nail biting. Because yes, like in me, Celtics, Thunder, and I, I love the Celtics. I, they they are probably my pick right now to go all the way. But I like seeing, in my opinion, the best team in the NBA get absolutely massacred. And most of these games aren't ending that way. We're seeing a lot more buzzer beaters, a lot more overtime, a lot more just 
confidence in taking those last shots and they're making them at more frequent rates. It's just exciting basketball. It's just exciting basketball. And yes, the chase down blocks are always going to be exciting. The late game defensive stands are always going to be exciting. But even as someone who's not a Kawhi Leonard fan or a Raptors fan, the bouncing game winner, that was exciting. And there's always going to be that draw. And it feels like we are at a point where that is just an every night thing. About every night, but yeah, there's been a lot more competitive games. I mean, if you look at the standings, they are probably the closest they've been in a while, a long while, actually. Yeah, yeah, for both conferences. Yeah, the parody in the NBA right now is. Yeah, the parody in the NBA right now is probably the best I've it's ever been since I've been following the NBA, which has been since I was like five years old. So it's been a while. And it's never felt this close. It, any given night, whether it, well, no, I wouldn't say the worst team because uh, Houston Rockets aren't. I, I'm betting against the Houston Rockets and the Spurs every night on FanDuel, but most nights, most nights, the games can go either way. I appreciate that, and I appreciate that because, as you are aware, I am a fan of parity and balance and the competitive nature of the game rather than just, oh, the Warriors will be in the finals in a couple months. There's no point in following the season. Close it is. I remember times that we've done episodes and I've looked at the standings and I saw the Warriors out of the playoffs completely and I saw the Mavericks as like a play-in team as the nine seed. The Mavericks on a seven-game win streak are currently – Number four in the West and 2.5 games out of first. The Warriors are the nine seed right now, going six and four in their last ten. This is close. I think I know I've bashed on the Lakers and I know I've bashed on the Timberwolves, but honestly, both of those teams are a hot streak away from being right back into the playoff picture and honestly, even making like a five six seed. With a good run. The the sixth seed right now is the Clippers at 21 and 18. The Lakers are the 12th at 17 and 21. They're literally like, what, a four-game win streak and a four-game loss streak away from that? That's not that huge. Yeah, and that's... Yeah, and that's... I, I just appreciate the game more. I, I just appreciate the game more right now. Because we're going to have that play to the whistle mentality the entire season. Because you go on a couple, you lose a couple games, and that might mean the playoffs for you. I don't remember a time when that was as much of a focus as it is right now. Um, while we're talking about defense, I actually wanted to talk about this. So, OG Ananobi. He's a player that really hasn't lived up to the expectations offensively, in my opinion. I did not realize how great he was as a... Not great. He is great, but that's not the point of this. So, he is in the top percentile for guarding one through five. So, he actually double-digit percentages guards every single position, every single height in the NBA and does so with efficiency. So he So out of that percentage when he is being the primary defender in an isolation situation, people are only scoring 21% of the time. That's incredibly irrelevant to what we're talking about, but it's just something I wanted to talk about earlier, and I forgot until just now. So just shout out to OG Ananobi. Elite defender and a time. Well, not only that, he's in trade rumors, so, you know, that that stat, that could be huge for a team that is looking to make a push and needs a lockdown defender like, you know, OG Ananobi on the Nuggets. 
would be, yeah, exactly. Well, who else is a team that's struggling defensively? OG Anobi on the Lakers maybe could push them into a playoff spot. You know, yeah, he wouldn't Ooh. like it. <laughs> but... I'm just saying oh, the Lakers are not one player away from being. I, say, I, I didn't say team. serious playoff team. I said being in the playoff. <laughs> Even then, I don't oh, know. Oh, man. Not with all they've got Tank Commander, Russell Westbrook running. They got LeBron back, and LeBron is finally looking like vintage LeBron over the last week or so. It's just... LeBron looks like prime LeBron. Not prime LeBron. As a basketball fan, that's great. Offensively, yes. He's also, what, 70 years old now? That's probably the thing that makes you... I think you said in a previous episode you were okay with someone saying, you know, or arguing that... LeBron is the GOAT. It's the longevity, man. The, I don't know very many, you know, 20-year veterans averaging 29, 8, and 6. It's it's impressive, honestly. 51, 51% from the field. That's is. 50% is an accomplishment of itself. His 3 is 30, but LeBron's never been a great 3-point shooter. Tw- no, and when he came into the league, the 3 was still growing it hadn't reached the important like obviously the three-point shot has always been important but it really didn't become critical you don't you weren't able to live or die or you didn't start having to live or die on the three-point line until 2012 the um grit and grind grizzlies are a prime example of you don't have to be great at shooting three-pointers in the previous era now you have to be shooting as a team at least 40 percent but with lebron i don't i'm not a lebron fan i'm in Indiana, LeBron is public enemy number two after Tom Brady. Um, Brady? LeBron has done way LeBron. more to if the Indiana Pacers to... than Tom Brady has ever done to the Colts. It's more just Tom Brady's existence. You you need to spend some time in Indiana to really understand it. Uh, but n- no, Tom Brady is, he, he is public enemy numero uno. Like, People in Indiana still talk about deflate gate it's not even and close. blame Tom Brady for, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. It was a blowout was game, a Ren. You weren't song. winning that game with or without those deflated football. Oh my God. That's oh not the God. point. That's not the point. That's not the point. Tom Brady likes deflated balls. That's the point. Um, but if you were to tell me you think LeBron is the GOAT, I'm not going to argue with it. He's not my number one. He's my number two, maybe three. I am very high on Kobe Bryant. Obviously, my greatest of all time is Michael Jeffrey Jordan. For me, it's a toss-up between Kobe and LeBron. And I, I don't have... If you say if you were to tell me you thought the greatest of all time was one of those three, I'm not arguing with you. You can make a valid point for any of them. Kobe is a lot harder to put at number one. I think he's easier to put at number two. But I'm not going to argue with it because for a lot of people, Kobe was the greatest what i will say about kobe because Um, you know i was at work and i watched you know i literally put on the news and as that event was going on you know i I think people really underestimate how much kobe contributed to the next generation i think he did something michael jordan didn't do Mm -hmm. in the fact that you know he inspired other people to work as or try to work as hard as him. Yes, Michael inspired Kobe, but I think Kobe reached out and, you know, touched more players. And honestly, Kobe inspired me. Like my the right. way I play 2K is very much a combination of Steph and Kobe. Like Kobe Kobe inspired I think more than Michael Jordan did. You know, that's not taking away anything from Michael Jordan being one of the most world-renowned 
sports people in the world, but Kobe, like personally, Kobe has done probably Kobe or LeBron has have done the most for me. Now, I will say the the majority of Kobe's career was in the age of social media and the internet, so it was easier for his game to reach a wider audience. But I think for me, it's not so much about the on-court performance for why I put Kobe on such a podium and I'm comfortable saying, you know, he's the number two or three guy. It's just that mentality. It's the Mamba mentality, if you want to call it that. But it didn't matter what you did. If you swept Kobe, he's coming back next season. And he's going to have figured you out. He might not go all the way, but he's going to have figured you out because you beat him. And I think that kind of mindset from a professional athlete is that is all-time great mentality. Even if they don't necessarily perform up to the expectations, because I think that it's easier to make a case when you're talking about personal accolades for LeBron or Michael Jordan. But the only person that can be compared to Kobe is Michael Jordan from the mentality point of view. And you could say Jordan has the tougher mentality or whatever. But I think that's why I, it's so easy for me to put him in that conversation. And that's like, obviously, that's not like a hot take or anything. But the point is, I... I I, if you tell me any one of those three, or if you tell me your greatest of all time is Oscar Robertson or Larry Bird, I'm not going to, like, I'm in, in my head, I'm going to be thinking why, but I'm not going to argue it because different players have influenced people in different ways. And we can argue statistics for who the greatest of all time is. But different eras mean statistics are kind of hard to track. And I think that your greatest of all time should be the player that influenced you the most. If that happens to be, I, I don't know, Stoyakovich. If your greatest of, if Stoyakovich influenced you more than any player and you say he's the greatest of all time, good for you. I'm not fighting it anymore. It's just not worth it. It's not worth the headaches, but. That's how I'm judging it from now on is all of my lists are going to be more subjective. Though I do think there is definitely a case to be made for statistical lists. It's just, I think it's more fun if you make things personal. That's fair. Um, um, something that, you know, we got into on the last episode that we didn't get into now, and I do think it should be put in, is the whole thing with Demar Hamlin, and um, there, there's actually an update oh, right, right. that I've been getting, you know, updates on social media. Apparently, today he is in a much better state than he was the previous two days, and the outlook is looking a lot better, which is. Yeah, he. From what I read, he's opened his eyes and has been responding. Now, obviously, we are recording. It is Thursday night, or Wednesday night, Thursday night. What is tonight? Tonight is Thursday. It is Thursday night. We will be releasing this on Sunday. So a lot can happen between now and then. But as of right now, things are looking good. Um, I'm not an NFL fan at all. I I really don't follow it besides when the Colts are on a run, but. I did watch that event unfold, and we just kind of want to have a moment of positive energy, vibes, whatever you want to call it, pray, whatever, um, because that was very scary, uh, and it kind of, we're watching people play a kid's game at a very high level. And seeing someone's essential mortality on the field was revelatory. It definitely was shocking in a lot of ways. And I've seen some horrible sports injuries. I've seen legs snap. I've seen 
throats get cut in hockey. I don't think I've ever seen something that made my stomach drop as much as when he fell over. So, have a little moment. Reflect on it. Think about it. And then hopefully, by the time this airs, he'll have done an interview or something. And I don't know. Hopefully, I don't know if with how scary it is, like, I don't know if I were him, if I would want to resume my career. But if that is the path he wants to take, hopefully he gets back quickly, but healthily, not too quickly and is able to. No, have a fulfilling rest of his life, and hopefully that is a very long life. And yeah, scary stuff. Yeah, scary stuff. Scary stuff. Sorry, I was having my sense. Go on. (laughs) I do. I do think that there's a. I do think that there's a. I think that game. I think that game. Hopefully will shine a light that, you know, it's fun, like, to have rivalries, and it is fun to, air quotes, hate other teams and other players, and, but at the end of the day, they're still people, and the people on the other side of your fandom, if you're watching tonight, your favorite team, and they're playing another team, and the calls aren't going your way, or another player is flopping, it's just a game, and these are people with families and friends and lives that they have outside of this. And it's, I think the Hamlin story should hopefully start a change within the culture of fandom where we're not treating these players so much as I don't know, products, objects, and their irrelevancy as humans. The problem, I think that situation is only going to get worse, you know. Not that I'm trying to make this not about Tamar Hamlin, but I think that the prevalence of, like, sports gambling and fantasy, football, basketball, whatever you want to do it, you know. I think that incentivizes executives up at the top of the NBA, the NFL, to, you know, try and get the game back in order because, you know, there's money on this. There's, you know, profit on this. There's ad revenue on this, you know. And I hope this event makes it so that, you know, we focus more on these players and give them, you know, the time, the health, you know, with the whatever they need. I think the Tua situation is also scary to me. He's had multiple concussions. Like, oh, okay. I, at the, at, I said at the last concussion, if it was me personally, I would be reconsidering my choices. And he got another one. I I don't think that, you know, the it, the area we are in where everything is to make profit and everything is for ad revenue and everything is for gambling is good for the mental health and the overall health of the players playing that sport. Right. I there's been a culture there's been a culture and I'm guilty of it too where like we enjoy seeing players tough it out through the injuries because it's a story and human beings we are drawn to stories and adversity and hearing oh this player played in the playoffs with a shin splints like yeah, it's it's a great headline, but played a season and won a Super Bowl with I think it was an MCL sprain or something like that. It all the time in hockey, it all the time in hockey, like players are playing with like broken bones and it's a culture of we're drawn to the toughness and it sounds great, but. I don't know. The The whole Hamlin situation completely shifted my perspective on injuries. And that was obviously a freak injury. It was 
the worst timing and the worst spot and no one's at fault and it was not really avoidable because it was a completely clean hit it's just the dice fell a certain way and the dice fell a certain way and it was tragic and thankfully he is recovering now but i think if things like that are going to happen i think if things like that are going to happen that are completely out of anyone's control cuz you can do everything right make no mistakes and still have that happen to you so i think we should reevaluate the focus on controlling the controllables you're hurt if you're hurt you're hurt heal up get back better than you were i don't know i don't know it's like I said, it it shook me up really badly watching him fall over because this is a young athlete in his prime. Like it's it's he's physically in the top percentile of humans, and he just fell over. So I don't know. Questioning mortality is I don't know. Questioning mortality is we're get, we're getting a little philosophical, and that's probably not good for yeah. a sports podcast, I will say, but... you know, I don't know about your health, but I overall have been lucky. Um, to be 33 years, I'm relatively pain-free. You know, I've played basketball with you. I've done different sports. You know, when I was given the steroids for what happened to my eye, they said that, Oh, you'll experience more energy and you'll, the little nicks and pains will go away. And I was like, that's like my normal life. And that, and that's when I realized like, oh, I really have had a good life overall compared to a lot of people. Yeah, it's been, yeah, it's been, I don't have a lot of aches and pains. I don't have a lot of aches and pains normally. Um, I, sorry, I was scrolling through Twitter and I realized we're talking about this and Deadspin posted an article, what's with all the scoring in the NBA right now. So we're not the only ones that find this weird. Um, but, so, yes, positive energy, thoughts, prayers, whatever, to Hamlin. Also Jeremy Renner, but that's a whole different issue. I think he's better too. That is also a freak accident, completely unrelated to sports. And anyone else that bad things. And anyone else that bad things have happened to. It's it's not limited to just celebrities and athletes. What else happened? The. Did LeBron have a big game too? Did LeBron have a big game? Forty point game. Did I miss a LeBron game? He had a 40-point game in their win, actually, their last win, I, I believe. He had a 47-point game. Yeah. game. Don't <laughs> undersell him. And then a 43-point game, game the night after. So it, it goes back LeBron is playing amazing. It, it goes yeah, back LeBron to what we're saying. Is LeBron is playing amazing. Is it sustainable, though? Do you think that... Do you think that 90-year-old LeBron James is going to be able to keep this up. I'm asking you as a LeBron... I'm asking you as a LeBron stan to be honest. ...saying is, I think that overall LeBron just accepts that this is the team he's going to have. I think... As a competitor, he does not want to win the playoffs again. I don't know if he thinks that you know takes away his legacy or not. It really doesn't at this point in his career. But but I think just for him personally, he is going to go out there and he's going to try to get this team as close to the playoffs as possible and potentially make a playoff run. You know, I remember back when LeBron was. A semblance of this, well, not a semblance, this good on offense and amazing on defense. And he could, you know, the 2018 Cavs is the prime example. I don't know very many players who could have taken that team to the finals. He did that. But I think that, you know, he's, he's as a competitor, he's trying to make the playoffs. Is it sustainable? Probably not. And I fear that he's going to hurt himself. If he keeps trying to put the backpack on, per se, and just 
take the offensive load, but it's going to be entertaining to watch, you know, maybe if he's lucky, then he'll starting to be running out of gas by the time AD comes back. And then he can take a few games easy while AD's back and they can go back to, okay, AD post up, do your thing, you know, LeBron, get your shots in here, there, et cetera. So, hypothetical situation. You a hypothetical LeBron. situation. You are LeBron James. Are you at any point in time? Are you at any point in time this season entertaining the trade entertaining rumors the trade rumors surrounding you? Probably not. Um, you can say a lot about LeBron James. You can say that you know he went to the Cavs from the Heat and then the heat back to the Cavs and then to the Lakers, but he's never requested a trade. I, I don't, he's never done that. So, you know, I think if it happens, it happens, but I don't think we're going to see the headline LeBron James requests a trade. I think it's more likely that LeBron James is going to play out this year. The result is going to be whatever the result is going to be. And, you know, if he really wants to continue adding to his, basketball legacy which i don't think he's the goat to me i don't think you know winning another title even if he's 38 and and arguably the main guy or the second guy on his team i i don't i don't think it does but if he wants to i'm sure he will go to another team like the warriors like the celtics maybe back to the Cavs, and that play like a one-year contract then or two-year contract whatever i'm not sure when his son's coming out but you know Sign a contract with a competitive team, wait till his son comes out, hit free agency that year, and then go to wherever his son goes. So I don't, I don't think. There's so I don't, I don't think there's a world where LeBron James is going to ever request a trade. I mean, more along the lines of. These rumors are here. You know, these rumors are here, and they're here to stay. Because the Lakers are, twelve seed. They need to make a change. They needed to make a change six months ago. If you were LeBron and you're reading rumors, if you were LeBron and you're reading rumors, are you in your mind thinking? Are you in your mind thinking that Genie is even talking about Genie is even talking about trading you, or would be open to trading you, and would you be open to a trade if you were approached about it? Not you're requesting a trade. But if they were to say, we're going to move you, do you think he attempts to lay GM and block it? Or do you think think it depends on the team? I think if they said that, you know, we have this package to send you to the Spurs, then yeah, he would lay GM and exonate that. But I think if it's a competitive team, he'll try to he'll say you know okay do it and then i'll try to play like play it off like you know it wasn't my decision i just got sent to where they sent me so i think and i think that would be the smart move if he wanted to pursue that um i don't necessarily think that he wants to leave la for personal reasons i think he's happy in la his family is happy in la and it's been great for his you know overall brand I'm sure actually, isn't he now one of the first NBA players or the first NBA players to make a billion dollars? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Wow. And Michael Jordan did it after he retired, I believe. But, but so I I think LA has been great for him. I, I think it just goes back to, you know, what are you, are you trying to accomplish more and add more to the resume? Let's be real. Unless a freak accident or injury happens, LeBron James is breaking Kareem's record. Whether it's this year, it's probably going to be this year, but whether it's this year, next year, or the year after, he's breaking that record. LeBron James is the leading scorer of all time. Yeah. So, like, what more does he have to prove? Does and that's the question. Like, does he want to keep adding to his basketball resume, or is he thinking more long term as a business person, as a movie star, as you know, building his empire? per se. I know he's eventually going to be an owner or partial owner. So, you know, what's best for him in that regard? I just, yeah, I just, I don't want to see LeBron. I don't want to see LeBron not in the playoffs. So I'm hoping the Lakers make a trade either to send him somewhere else or to get him some help because LeBron James performing like this and not being in the playoffs is 
kind of sickening. And I feel like the Lakers front office should be embarrassed by the product they're putting out. I don't hold the players accountable for that besides, you know, Tank Commander Russell. Also acknowledge that, you know, I don't think we've been harsh enough. Not we, but I don't think the media in general has been harsh enough on Jeannie Buss and Rob Kalinka and the staff front office staff of the Lakers, because I think the media in general is content to lay the blame on Anthony Davis and more specifically LeBron James on bringing in these players. That's still, I mean, at the end of the day, you're the GM. So I think that needs to be laid at your doorstep as well. You know, Uh, I, I don't think the Lakers are a well-run organization currently. I think that after LeBron James leaves L.A., whenever that is, I think we are going to see a very, very, um, what's the word? They're going to tank, obviously, but they're not going to really have assets, probably. But we're going to see a very long stretch, likely, of the Lakers being mediocre or bad, and I think there's going to be a lot of turmoil at the top of that organization so? because the Lakers are not an organization that is used to consistent failure. I mean, it's still going to be the Lakers. And barring the Clippers, I mean, I guess Golden State has become a prime destination now, but there's always going to be the draw of playing in front of that crowd. It is in front of that crowd. It is one of the loudest fan bases. One of the loudest fan bases in the game. One of the loudest fan bases in sports. We always say that that certain teams have an advantage, like the Lakers market, like the Knicks market. So I, huh? I don't have any. Oh, you know, big, big time organizations. But I think what we should be thinking about instead of saying that the Lakers have, you know, an advantage because of their history and their culture is we should probably be putting names to that. And that's the thing. Like when I think about the players who are, you know, top stars, I don't foresee them leaving. I don't I don't know who that who that, you know, imaginary player is, who is a whatever top five, top 10 player, whatever you want to put it, who is going to go to the Lakers and help them, you know, compete and be the Lakers again. Who is that player to you then? If you think that, you know, the market is always. I mean, that's, that's years away before I think that that's going to be. Years away, run. LeBron might leave as soon as this at the end of this season, if not in two seasons, three seasons. I don't know. I just, yes, there was that down few years where, you know, they had, um, who all was on that team? Uh, Lonzo, so Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, uh, yeah. Kuzma, Josh Hart, like it, that really, that really like bad few years of the Lakers. But I feel like that's an outlier. I don't think that would be the case if they had the money to spend. But I think that's about all we've got time for today. Like I said, we wanted to keep this kind of a bite-sized episode since we didn't really have our full roster here tonight we wanted to just try and see what a i guess conversation with just angelo and i since it was just the two of us tonight about basketball and yes i think the structured episodes when we've researched a lot do a lot better for us in terms of our enjoyment but being able to just sit down and have a conversation like we would normally be having anyway i don't know i think I don't know. I think this was a pretty easy episode, and I don't know how enjoyable it's going to be to listen to. Hopefully, the fact that it's shorter, maybe you'll make it all the way through here. If you did, thank you for listening all the way through. Doesn't do anything for us, like, monetarily or anything, but we're doing it 
for fun and we get more fun out of people enjoying it. So follow us on all socials. We are on all social media platforms, No Reserve Radio. The final things um, I want. Big plans for the uh, Angelo has Radio. some big plans for the YouTube this year. Yeah, I, I, I know. I, I've, I've heard you talk about it enough. There's some big plans for the YouTube. We're going to see how that goes. I think that will be a big driving force in the our little... Uh, I don't want to call it a platform because we're posting it on a platform, but the No Reserve brand, I think the YouTube and whatever podcast platform you're listening to are going to be the primary drivers of what we do, what we enjoy. Angelo completely runs and handles all the stuff on YouTube right now, so let him know what you want to see over there. We'll get to work on it. We're going to start doing some behind-the-scenes stuff just for fun most of everything we're doing is just for fun we're not expecting this to blow up overnight or anything like that it's just an event um so thank you for listening thank you for joining us leave a like if you liked it don't if you don't and we will see you next week when we return to hopefully adam being healthy and a normal episode